Thanks for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. Let's get some warnings out of the way. This episode may contain strong language, and the views and opinions expressed by the guest and host in no way, shape, or form represent the Oklahoma Historical Society or the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and as you know, I have the ADD Mind. So today I have on um, another guest, and as usual with my guests, it's somebody that I've known for quite a long time. Now we're not like going fishing every weekend, hanging out, uh, but I have watched my guest live his life from afar via the wonderful world of the interwebs. And so today my guest is David Ramirez, and um, I'm going to let him sort of introduce his introduce himself, and then he's going to sort of talk about an aspect of his life that uh, is a different part or a different than most people kind of go through. But I think it's something that's worthwhile and something that's worth sharing, obviously, or I wouldn't have had him on as a guest. So, David. <laughs> hey. Excellent. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. I, I, I really appreciate it. I'm sad right away that you and I don't go fishing. I mean, as soon as you said that, it's like, why, why don't we go more often? That would be fun, but no one you, takes me fishing. So, well, you live up by Tulsa and I live in Midwest city. So there is that turnpike between us. That's true. That's true. Plenty of fishing holes. We'll, we'll meet up and yeah. we'll whistle the Andy Griffiths song. Uh, come to Oklahoma, everybody. It's just like that. That's it's right. Like that. As long as you don't want to go noodling. Oh gosh. No, don't even tell people what noodling is. They'll <laughs> the image in the brain. No, horrifying. yeah, it is the ultimate form of redneck fishing. <laughs> it really is. Well, you, you want me to tell you my story? Yeah, let let's get into this. Um, sure. I'll just uh, David is the father of a special needs child, um, but his son is actually pretty well. Not that he couldn't be. He's awesome. And it's great watching his son grow up on Facebook, but I am going to have David come in, sort of explain the, the challenges that his son has had. Um, but I would hazard a guess that, as I'm sure there have been lots of challenges that you have dealt with, the joy of your son probably far, far outweighs any of the difficulties. That is a correct assumption. Uh, I, I mean, if I change one thing, about his life, then I would change the whole thing. And we're just really content. I'll ask him sometimes, do you like your life? And he used to say, yes, dad, I really feel lucky. And now he says, why do you ask me that all the time? I've I've told you, I love my life. Just cut it out. So I think about it a lot lot more than he does. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) I would say as a parent, though, that that's probably pretty normal because you do yeah. want your child to be happy and, right. you know, be their authentic self. And it doesn't really matter the can, well, lack of a better word, sort of condition of your child, healthy yeah. or not, or special needs. You want your child to be happy. I like that phrase, authentic self. I, you know, we're all trying to find the answer, the goal. And I, I think, the answer probably looks something like that. We're all trying to be 
not a fake version or an unhappy version or an unsustainable version. We want to be authentic. We want to be the real us. And yeah, that yeah. I want that for him. That is so true. One of so. the big, sadly, I was about, I don't know, 44 when this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I was like a big jerk or anything, but we had a, a some family friends and um, the husband died. He had uh, cirrhosis of the liver and he died mm-hmm. at like 42 from it. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but we were at the funeral and this particular person was not, he was so nice, so friendly, so willing to help anybody when he was sober. Yeah. When he was drunk, he was a violent, cruel person. Hmm. And like, there were several times where his wife and uh, her kids, they were his stepkids had to at midnight call us and come and sleep over at our house. Right. Because things had gotten bad. And, and when he passed, we were at the funeral and everybody was talking about, he was such a great guy, never hurt anybody. And, and I was like, wait a minute, y'all are lying. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, yes, when he was sober, but there was the other side. And I thought, I never want people to have to lie at my funeral. Very good. I like that. Unless they were calling me, you know, Brad Pitt handsome or something like that. Go ahead and do that. But <laughs> Oh, you're close. You're real close. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, why don't you go ahead and I guess maybe uh, elaborate a little bit sure. on, on uh, Eli's special needs. And, yeah. you know, if I have a question, I'll, I'll interrupt you and ask it. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just start. So. I've been married to my wife for about 24 years. Uh, we both uh, met in college, Oklahoma State, and went into professional practice. You know, big office buildings, uh, corporate jobs. Uh, we had a daughter who is a picture of health. And uh, about four years later, we had another kid. Didn't have any reason to expect things to to go strangely, but I mean, we did suspect he'd have a club foot uh, from the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. That, that was sad, but we figured, well, we'll deal with that when it comes. He was born on his due date at, at, at the stroke of midnight, and oh. he was four pounds, two ounces. Uh, I saw him in his first moments and thought, oh, he's perfect, but then they rushed him out. And the neonatologist actually came it, a, a lifetime later. It may have been 10 minutes, but it felt like eternity. Right, right. And he said, uh, your son has very severe malformations all over his body. Um, it, he is missing both thumbs, both radius bones in his arms. Uh, his feet are severely clubbed. And uh, he's very small for his, uh, for his birth weight and not being premature and it rocked our world. I mean, my parents were there, Melissa's parents, all of our in-laws, and there was just weeping for a long time. Right. Uh, we found out more over 11 days in the NICU. Uh, he had some kind of allergy to protein, so he wasn't taking breast milk. He wouldn't oh, even wow. take formula. Yeah. We, we had to do an emergency um, feeding tube in his stomach, uh, just to get this synthetic food into him so they wouldn't starve to death. Right. And, right. you know, he's 15 
now and he still eats through the feeding tube because of some of the damage that happened to his esophagus uh, during those early days. So there's just no right way to save a kid's life. But, you know, the fact that he's alive now means that everyone across the board uh, chipped in and, and piled on to just do their hardest and, and help him. So that's how the story starts. That had to have been a pretty uh, rough 11 days for you. Um, Just a normal family member that's in ICU, your case, NICU is a difficult thing to go through, (laughs) but for your son, you know, your son to be born and immediately be in sort of this, you know, pretty severe condition that had to have just been pretty tough for you guys. So, you know, I imagine that there are some families that have these hereditary uh, hereditary diseases, and they're pretty adept at predicting how it's going to feel and what they're going to go through. Mm-hmm. That was not my family. Neither side of our family <clears throat> dealt with anything like that. So we we had to learn all the rules as we went along. I remember when we were leaving the NICU, um, I brought the car around and we had a car seat and there was a nurse helping us set it up and put the the baby in it. Mm -hmm. Pardon me, pardon me. And she said, well, one good thing about the situation, he's so small that he's not going to hurt your back when you're carrying him. And Melissa got in the car and she looked at me and said, I think I might have hurt that woman with my bare hands i mean she thinks that you know i want him to be this small and it it was maybe the very first time that someone meant well and was trying to be kind and find the silver lining and instead they were incredibly stupid and thoughtless and broke our hearts yeah and that doesn't happen anymore people make comments and we're like they mean well i get it yeah you know, a decade and a half of that is how long it takes to, to yeah. be okay with it. So. We we had the exact opposite issue. Uh, my son was 10 and a half pounds and his head is roughly the size it is now at birth. Mm. And so we were always getting, oh, he's so huge. How old is he? Six months? And you're like, no, he's two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but you actually end up, people always think with a baby of that size that you know, they just start doing stuff. But the problem is it takes them longer to do things. It took him forever to be able to lift that gigantic noggin of his up. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and people don't ever think about that. So you just sort of, as you were talking about, you know, his small size thinking, I never dealt with that, but I did deal with the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, and, and that's a great point. Everyone has their own experience. Like people will find out Eli's story and they'll be anxious to share their story, but right. they feel uh, they feel reluctant to do it because their story's not as severe as ours. So they think if we're comparing apples to oranges, m- what my family, what I have gone through is not as important. Right. And I always tell them, you know, you can't do that. Whatever you dealt with was the worst thing you ever had to face. Oh, yeah, and- no, you're right. That's. That's so that's everybody's journey is important. That's why I like talking to people about their life. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's right. So, but yeah, well, let's, well, real quick, 
is did they determine i sort of like what caused was it genetic from you guys some sort of rare thing or just was genetic yes and it was so rare that nobody knew for about six months even where to start uh the neonatologists threw out maybe six or seven different uh diagnoses and None of them matched all of the symptoms. Eventually, we found out that Eli was partly blind, mostly in his left eye, um, mostly deaf in his left ear. He had a fused uh, cartilage canal in his skull, and we had to do cranial facial surgery on that. In fact, he still has some titanium up there. Um, His knees were fused together. Wow. We had to remove the entire patella. And fuse the femur to the tibia amphibia. And then we amputated both feet. So if you didn't know that, that's a bit of a shock. He doesn't have either of his feet. Yeah. Well, I I've seen pictures. So you're on Facebook. So you've seen the pictures. You knew that. But but Eli sports the uh, he sports the Kareem Abdul Jabbar glasses too. He does. Oh gosh, he looks great in them. It's uh and we've done a lot. To help him. I mean, part of the reason he interacts with everyone as well as he does is because of multiple surgeries on his skull and his ears and a soft cleft palate that we repaired. So, I mean, we, we thought that he would be non-communicative for the first year and a half right. of his life. And just, we, we eventually gathered together all the different tools we needed to help him communicate. Now he can. So, but to answer your first question, there is a, I always start with this. There's a genetic mutation uh, on the gene RECQL4, RECQL4. The way that it was explained to me, there are less than 500 cases in the literature going back to the fifties and currently maybe. 50 people worldwide oh, that, wow. that have this mutation. So, yeah, I mean, we will never run into someone on the street that has this, this genetic mutation. So um, they, they call it Rothman Thompson syndrome okay. on the U S West coast, but most of the cases are in Finland and wow. When Eli was about six months, we found an endocrinologist. The geneticist had no idea, but this endocrine guy, he took our blood, sent it to Finland. They sent it back and said, yeah, we can confirm RECQL4. And it it really got everyone excited because that's how people react when something rare happens like that. So you want to know that, you know, that that's part of it. You, you want to know because you feel like, okay, now I know that's, even though it's not necessarily the starting point, but you still sort of look at it like this is the starting point because we know what this is, you know, we can move on because we at least have an idea. <laughs> well, we have met so many parents who don't want to know, huh. you know, they, they want someone to help out and take care of these things, but the kind of research you need to do into medicine and biology, into insurance and government oversight is just overwhelming, especially when you're just trying to put food on the table. Yeah. And I'm so lucky to have a spouse that's willing to do 
all that research. But I mean, we, we found out right away that the syndrome is autosomal recessive, which means there's a 25% chance that he'll get one of my two genes and one of Melissa's two genes. And like I said, my daughter picture of health, right. Uh, four years older and it's not even possible that she would have the genetic syndrome if she got only one or none of those genes. So yeah, we, we knew right away, this is it for us. We're not going to have a third kid. I mean, we, we don't regret having Eli, but right, we're not right. going to subject another child to that. So yeah, no, I, that's quite logical. I, I can understand yeah. that choice. Yeah. So um, about, you mentioned that he had had a ton of surgeries how about how many do you think he's roughly had at this point oh maybe 40 wow uh the the amputations uh we we've straightened the ulnas in both arms we straightened the wrist uh we did a really uh, amazing procedure on his fingers to turn uh the index finger into a thumb to like bring it down it's been so long now, what, 13 years? I can't even remember the name of the procedure, but I used to be able to rattle it off. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool <laughs> that, that they were able to do that, um, you know, move it. Because obviously yeah. we live in a society where thumbs are important. And Eli is able to function in a lot of important ways. Uh, I don't know if he uses his thumb that much. He he presses a lot with the side of his wrist. Uh-huh. Um, one thing he's able to do at lightning speed is play video games with a mouse and a keyboard. So right. <laughs> he, he doesn't do much pencil writing at school. He's got an iPad. Uh, he's got his own iPhone that he does some assignments on. Right. And he he's just... He's able to keep up. He's, he's actually passing some of the kids. Um, well, that, that's awesome. I, yeah, I hope you don't mind me bragging. But when he started, away. <laughs> when he started public school, he was in the most remedial classes because we had so many concerns about right. his IQ, his lack of communication. But I think a lot of it had to do with his speech and hearing. And as they improved, uh, he started moving from the remedial classes to what they call the labs and he just finished his ninth grade year and he was in the regular, so to speak classes. There's a term right. for you right now, the normal classes, <laughs> right? But uh, he got straight A's both semesters. He was uh, superintendents uh, on a roll. And th- th- that part makes the parent proud, but my wife and I are both stunned. Like how did he pull this off? How do you do it? We, we just don't even understand. He worked that hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that is definitely a lesson in, I guess, perseverance, I guess, maybe. Good work. I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. It's perseverance. Uh, yeah. It, it's funny that you mentioned the video game thing. Um, you know, earlier this year, my, my daughter was in a fire and she had to have skin grafts on her hand, on her right hand. How terrible. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. It was, uh, that's a whole other thing, but. Because after you have skin grafts, all of your tendons and ligaments shrink. Yeah. And she was supposed to go through hand therapy. But the day they unwrapped her arm from all of the gauze, she started playing with her Nintendo Switch. 
it she played her switch so much with her thumb that she didn't have to do physical therapy for her hand. I love that story. <laughs> I really do. Which is, you know, sort of the same thing with Eli using, yeah. you know, playing video games and doing all that, helping his dexterity and everything. So that reminds me of that story about the Air Force recruiting uh, kids who've developed their hand-eye coordination through, yeah, they make better through action gaming. Yeah. 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 And that's actually, I think there are some of like the portable drones that they take out if they want to get an aerial and they use Xbox what? controllers. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. 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 So that's really, though, awesome that um, I'm trying to figure out how I want it. Sometimes when parents have somebody that's special needs, they sort of coddle the child and don't treat them maybe necessarily normal. And um, so sometimes that translate, you know, into an issue in school and everything like that. And clearly you guys have never done anything and he knows how to, Hey, I got to go in. I got to put my nose down and get some work done here and get these straight A's. You know, I feel like Eli has benefited from a lot of circumstances that are really unique to his family and to my family. I mean, first of all, Melissa and I have that education level, and we both came from homes that valued education. Uh, my my dad uh, was in an educator in a lot of mm-hmm. important ways, yeah. and then the fact that my daughter was born four years before Eli, we, we experimented on her as parents do to try and figure out how to get that balance between being her friend and her parent, push right. her to excel, but let her be herself. So, you know, I, I've never, well, I was about to say, I've never coddled Eli. The fact is no one listening to this has ever coddled a child as Eli has been coddled. <laughs> I mean, I, I really have protected them, but, but there are also ways in which I can mess around with them that no right. one else would dare. And, and that's one right. of my professional skills now is just the ability to, to roughhouse with them, to joke with them. Uh, to <laughs> deceive them and laugh at them and laugh with them. These are things everybody does with their kid. And and if you leave your special needs child out of that, then you're denying them the full human experience. And I was never going to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, that's, that is a lesson in good parenting <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> I, so. it, I get told a lot that I'm a really good parent and I, I like to believe that everyone is capable of being a good parent. And and I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Um, God gave you Eli uh, because he knew that you'd be special parents. And it's like, well, what about all the other handicapped kids whose parents don't take care of them? What about all the healthy kids? whose parents don't do what they're supposed to. Did God not want them to have good parents? It's like, it's not supernatural. It's work. It's a lot of work and we did the work. So go do the work. Yeah. That, that would be a topic probably for a series of podcasts. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, I've always operated under the idea with my children that what they wanted more than anything was my time. And while, yes, they enjoy going to scouts or something like that, right? the time of their parents 
I always felt was what they wanted to do. So if my son was, if it was a Saturday and I wasn't doing anything and my son was like, Hey dad, you want to come in here and play call of duty with me? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go do it. Um, My oldest daughter, she was like, Hey dad, do you want to come in here and play Barbies with me? Sure. Let's go for it. Good. My, that is my so young, important. Did the same thing with my youngest daughter. Now, to be fair, anytime I played with the girls, it did devolve into a WWE wrestling style tournament. <laughs> I approve. I approve wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah and, and men, if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you have a daughter somewhere between the ages of six and nine, varies a little bit on the daughter. She's learning to paint fingernails becomes a very important thing to them. That's right. Let them paint your nails to practice. Make your nails available. Because there's nail polish remover and no one will ever know. Yeah. I I wonder if I can really be close friends with a a guy who won't let his daughter uh, paint fingernails. We could be acquaintances, maybe at work, but you're not invited (laughs) to my parties. So, and I'll tell you, your kids will thank you for it when the, when they become adults, you know, you were talking about being there physically for your kids, give them all that time. I think there are probably some folks listening to this who have not just disabled kids or or handicapped kids, but severely, um, (laughs) see, we were talking about the terminology (laughs) Is it special needs? Is it differently abled? Is it cognitively deficient? There's, right. I, I try not to take offense, but even I stumble over, what are we going to say here? Uh, I, I mean, there's some parents out there who have kids that have a, a handicap and it might be that your perfectly normal child was playing sports and got injured and lost an arm. And now they're perfectly normal, except for an arm missing. That's no small thing. That's a very severe thing. But there's a different class of parent out there that's going to be raising their child for the rest of their life. Eli's cognitively capable of going out into the world, but physically, he's really going to need me to be there for him. And I I tried to give my daughter a lot of independence um, the same way that I do with Eli, but in another sense, if I gave him all the time that he needs for me, he wouldn't have any independence at all. And right. it's only going to get worse after he turns 18, after he turns 25, got to find ways to not be there, to not give right. him my time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. A- now that, that will be a fine balance. Um, <laughs> that you'll have to have to, I guess, cross that bridge when you get there (laughs) but Eli wants to be an engineer um he's surprisingly good at math I didn't think he was going to be and all of a sudden he's really picked it up he's learning computers and his obsession in life is trains right um you've seen us on Facebook you know how much he loves trains yeah he, he, he does like him some trains he likes those steam trains. He knows a lot about diesel trains and he thinks I would like to design them. I would like to ride the rails. I'd like to be one of those museum people that is also the conductor on the train. Right. And I always tell him, if you want to do that, you can do that. And then secretly 
I think, how are we going to do that? How are we going to get his big power wheelchair from train car to train car when he's 30 years old? I mean, they're, right. they're going to have to accommodate him to take advantage of all the skills that he brings. Yeah. And that's, that's every person who's handicapped in the Western civilization. So it's yeah. a constant struggle. It's a constant problem to that, solve. It, it definitely is. Um, well, tell Eli that the person you were just on with, um, I have an uncle and his brother-in-law was a trained conductor. Yeah. And there are some interesting aspects to that job. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've seen some of it. Yeah. We've, uh, we, we went to Denver and rode 14 trains in two weeks. That's a lot of trains. Not, not Denver, Colorado. We went to Durango, right. Silverton, Colorado Springs, Boulder, uh, yeah, all those places. It was exhausting. I think his stamina lasted longer than mine, which is not always the case. <laughs> but he's looking forward to trains. So. He, he was living on adrenaline and excitement. He was. Oh, my gosh. He just... I, <laughs> I keep thinking we'll never do anything like that again. And then I tell myself... Of course we will. I mean, he needs to see everything that I can show him. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so. I'm never going to be that guy you see on the news who is running uh, with his kid in the marathon. Like we run all the marathons. Together. It's like, no, I came from a, a drama and music background. I was a writer. I'm a computer nerd. I was a movie critic. That's that's what you get here. <laughs> we're going to sit in front of the TV and we're going to analyze plot and theme. And, you know, that's when I think maybe God didn't intend for him to be part of this family because we're not a football family. We're not a, you know, baseball get out there and uh, I don't know ride motorcycles. Those are great <laughs> families to be a part of, but that's not this one. And if you are physically limited, then, right. you know, you want a dad who likes television and cartoons. I'm trying see, to justify it, but it can't be justified. <laughs> see that, that sort of plays into one of my favorite statements. Don't ever tell me to go big or go home because I will turn around and go home. I'll every go time. home. That's right. That's where all of my favorite things are. There's, there's that scene in Idiocracy. I told you, you told me the lead follower get out of the way. So I got out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I did what you told me to do. That's right. I let you go. <laughs> Take over. That's it. Yeah. No, I, I understand that philosophy when the, you know, the pandemic and lockdown started and everybody was stuck at home and everyone was talking about how much their life changed. And I'm like, mine mm -hmm. hasn't really changed that much. Boy, Eli's did. You know, we had worked for years to to socialize him. Right. I mean, we we took advantage of public school as an opportunity for him to be on the front lines. Right. Everyone's get you know, let him hear some vulgar language by from his peers for a while, and then COVID came out, and I spoke with my wife, and we both agreed almost instinctively he is not going to get COVID, you know, anybody else there who, who wants to do it can go have it. Right. But, uh, get, you know, and my, my, my father died at the end of 2020 and we were already in the process of keeping Eli home. It, it wasn't just distance learning. That's what they called it. What it was, was isolation. 
right. learning. It was completely locked down. No pep rallies, no sporting events, n- not even laughing at the same joke that the teacher just told, you know, and, and that went on for, for two years and it was really dangerous yeah. to just have him trapped like that. So um, I'm glad to be back out there. I really am. Yeah. No, I, you know, I understand that, <laughs> but I, I do sort of miss my built-in excuse of, do you want to come over? Eh, I really can't. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, well, I'm an introvert. I love saying I can't go to your party. So no, no, sorry. And then I agree to go somewhere. And then the night of, I'm like, why did I do this? That's right. Why didn't I cancel this plan? Like I canceled all the other plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the same plane here, David. <laughs> Lots of COVID. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, We sort of talked about this pre-show, and um, you obviously said it was okay to talk about. Um, But I do know that with you know out grocery shopping, clothes shopping, you know whatever kind of shopping out and about at the park, whatever. um, You guys have experienced people that I, I believe, meant well. You know, they weren't trying to be jerks, but if yeah, the way they meant well came off as really sort of not nice. Could you elaborate on that? Oh, I would love to elaborate on that. It is, it's a theory in progress because I don't think there is a completely right answer. All I know is what's right for Eli and, mm. and operationally we protect him from people who stare and, I, I think I think the working guideline is there are people who treat Eli like a person and there are people who treat Eli like an event. Right. And he's not the only one. You know, celebrities deal with that all the time. They get on an airplane and someone ignores that they're human and they come up and they say, give me an autograph. You know, and the difference between them and Eli is that they went out and studied acting and are getting paid a million dollars. And Eli does not. And he does not want his privacy interrupted by your idiocy. And there's a big disagreement among parents and especially among a lot of the therapists that we have dealt with. I I really got into it with one person. I think the relationship ended because I, I got on Facebook and I told a story about a little girl who came up to Eli and pointed. And when I say little, I mean, six, seven, eight, right. Uh, it's a child, but it's not a toddler. And she pointed at Eli and said, you look weird. You know, it, right. Eli's got a skin condition called poikleoderma. And she said, did you get burned? Did you get run over? And I just leaned down to the child and said, you are not being kind. I want you to go away right now. And I told the story and virtually everyone said, yeah, you had to do that. You had to protect Eli. And this other therapist Mm -hmm. said, Eli is in such a great opportunity to teach people about how to be kind and what it's like to live with disabilities. And my response was, that kid does need to learn that, but it's not Eli's job to teach him. There are lots of books they can go read. Get her a book. Yeah, that's more of a a a parent's job. And on top of it, yeah. you're out and about. You don't, you know, yeah, you have a, 
a child that has this sort of issues, but that doesn't mean that you don't want to, you know, buy your peanut butter and bread and get out of the store, <laughs> right? Every moment you're out there right. shouldn't be a teaching moment. <laughs> we we went for burgers for lunch today, and a woman walked past Eli and just stared at him. I mean, walked past at a regular pace and just looked at him the whole time. Like you, you look at one of those insects behind glass at the zoo and we're so used to it now. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not even going to tell him that it happened, but sometimes kids will come up to him and say, Hey, what's wrong with you? And he used to have a lot of guilt and, you know, how am I supposed to conduct myself? What do I do? And now he's a teenager and someone will come up and say, what's wrong with you? And he'll go, Oh, dad, this kid. I know. Let him have it. Let him have it. That, they'll say, is he a baby? And I'll lean right. down and go, are you a baby? And they're like, what? Why would you talk to me like that? It's like, because you're a complete stranger. And apparently you feel like it's okay to just talk to strangers. Right. Whatever was in your head and it comes out. I'm getting really worked up about it. But the <laughs> fact is, the fact is this. You can't judge a person by their results or their actions or even their words. You have to judge them by their intention. Right. And that is, it's impossible to judge, but, but to the best of my ability and to the best of Eli's, uh, we will, we will make that judgment. Here's something that's difficult to admit. Eli has been a part of special Olympics for about nine years and he has loved it ever since he was little. He's been a really important part of the team and a a lot of, I I would say the vast, vast majority of the special Olympians are dealing with cognitive deficiencies, not physical limitations. And it's, it's ironic that Eli is going there to be with peers and people who are like him, but how it actually plays out is kids with no filter right uh, assault him more verbally <laughs> they're fascinated by his wheelchair they reach out and grab the joystick and spin him around they grab right. his foot where the where the foot is missing uh, they just they ask inappropriate questions and you can't blame them you right, really right. can't and i never will but eli has decided he doesn't want to do Special Olympics anymore because somehow he is the focus of all that attention. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a very, I mean, that's what a rare disease is. It is even unique from all of the other really debilitating diseases. I mean, I hate to say that, but. Well, you know, it is, that's, that's the fact of the situation. Yeah. You can't necessarily just sort of ignore it. That's. That's your guys' life. <laughs> no. So, well, maybe you could do this in the future. This is what I uh, did when I had uh, shoulder surgery and people would ask what would happen. Yeah. And because I'm naturally a smart ass, my response was always, <laughs> yeah, it was the darndest thing. I was sitting there watching TV in my chair oh. and the freaking Kool-Aid man broke through the wall. Oh my gosh. And do you know what it's that. like to be on the other side of the wall that the Kool-Aid man breaks through? He doesn't check if anyone's sitting there. I had to call <laughs> 911 and everything. And this is the result. <laughs> as, 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 you, you know, and you do know 
I just found out, folks, that the host <laughs> of your podcast was one of the only people to actually see me at the age of 11 run through a plate glass door at our church. Um, I ended true. up getting 244 <laughs> stitches, the majority of them on my chin, uh, you know, from the bottom of my chin up to my bottom lip. And for years before I had a beard, people would say, where did that come from? And I'll say I was in a gang <laughs> and it really shocks them because, you know, I look Mexican. So they're like, oh, gosh, he was in yeah. a gang. <laughs> Did they get to know me and they go, you weren't really in a gang, were you? It's like, no, I wasn't. Right, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a a weird thing to see happen when that happened. That was, you know, just one of those random things that you'll probably, I'll probably never see again in my life. Anything oh, remotely like it. Well, no kidding. I'm 48 years old. I was the main participant in that story. And it's only been about a single hour since I met the only eyewitness to the event that I've ever encountered. Nobody else saw me go through the door, but you did. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it really world. is. What a yeah, small and, world. And of course, when I mentioned that, uh, David was like, well, that's what everybody always said. And I'm like, well, no, I saw you go through. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? That, you actually saw it? That sticks with you <laughs> when you see I woke up like to that. a crowd. But <laughs> well, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's just, in, in fact, I was such a ham, uh, such a class clown. Uh, I woke up, everyone was in tears, and I was like, I am going to put on a show. We are going <laughs> to entertain these folks. And I, I, th I think I told some jokes that had the people in the ambulance cracking up. I was like, I, I'm going to milk this. This is going to be great. Yeah, you know, if I were you, yeah. you should still be milking that. Um, like well, your wife, you know, your wife's like, "Hey, could you do the dishes?" And you're like, "You know what? I really like to." But remember that time I had 240 stitches? They told me not to do dishes, so you're gonna. Have to you're play. talking about things <laughs> that have helped Eli, and and what are the little blessings? I, I think the fact that I'm so outgoing. And I've got a background in marketing, and so does my uh -huh. wife. It's really helped us to teach Eli how to market himself. And, right. and, and that's, that's one of the things that, that I really feel in my heart for parents going through this. If their children really aren't able to be outgoing and vocal and articulate, then their children don't get the kind of support that Eli gets right. because Eli is just like me. He's, he likes to joke around. He's very sarcastic. Um, he's got good comedic <laughs> timing mm -hmm. and, and people just, they think of him as being approachable. And so they want to help him. They want to do things for him. And I, I, I wish I could take some of that from Eli and give that all away to, especially to parents of Down syndrome, children uh, of kids with really uh, demonstrating uh, autistic uh, situations. Great kids, get to know them. And they have so much to offer. But I mean, just yeah. making a first impression, very difficult. And Eli makes a wonderful first impression. So that's, I mean, I, I'm, that's great to hear. You, you really yeah. want that for all of your kids, honestly, right? whatever, yeah. however they are, you want 
It's true. To not look at them and be like, man, that kid looks like a little jerk. God, I can't stand <laughs> I you know what I mean? You don't want that. You want people to, yeah. to think highly of your child. So yeah, no, I, I totally, yeah. totally get that. Um, sort of in the pre-show we did talk about though, um, while there have obviously been tons of challenging, uh, challenges, you know, recovering from surgery, having to have a feeding tube, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but just listening to you talk, it's very, very clear that the joy of being Eli's parent, because uh, I'm sure your wife feels the same way. I, I doubt it's just a singular feeling right. for you. Um, right. The joy has probably far, far outweighed uh, just the difficulties while dealing with the various challenges that you yeah. guys it, have have encountered i agree with that a hundred percent i really do i mean we've had a lot of challenges but challenges make you stronger and they've made eli stronger and i wouldn't wish what has happened to eli on my worst enemy i mean all the physical pain all the restrictions all the disappointments but in a way we all deal with those and we right. all have to rise above those. Most of them are self-inflicted, but, yes, but a yeah, lot yeah. of them are <laughs> things that you're subjected to. And in addition to all that, we've had a lot of fun. This is a very odd thing to say, and you have to be inside my brain to understand it. But because of his condition and because of his genetic syndrome and a lot of the limitations, um, he's experienced levels of kindness that some of us will, will never witness. He, right. he's, he's received levels of prayer that, that we'll, we'll never receive. Uh, he, he spread joy to a lot of people. He's given a lot of inspiration. I mean, that we, we see that all the time. People who come up and say, I am so thrilled to see him here at the zoo at right. Six Flags or wherever we go, because a lot of parents wouldn't bother to do that. And I can tell right away, this is someone with that experience and they're right. And yeah. I, I love that we could be here for that to, to bring them some cheer. So, and that's a fine balance because sometimes I want people to leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the line is from day to day. I really don't. It It's so. probably a shifting line. That's right. <laughs> and that's even right. day to day, even during that day, the line probably moves around because um, mm -hmm. I mean, you're still going through stuff as a parent not related oh, sure. to Eli. So, you know, you're dealing yeah. with that and just like your sort of normal things that you would go through anyway. So it's, it's a moving line. You're you know? right. So. You're right. And, and that's another good point. Nobody's going through what we're going through, but everyone can relate. I mean, sympathy is, is not proprietary. If you want to, and, and I think this is true about a lot of stigmatized groups uh, racial minorities, genders, religions, creeds, sexual orientation. Some people will tell you that you cannot know what someone else is going through. And in a certain way, I think that's 100% true. But it's also paradoxically 100% wrong. If you want to get to know the person and learn their story, you can know who they are and what they value and what mm -hmm. life is like for them. And, and anybody who really gets to know Eli can, 
can understand what he's been through and why he's like this and what he has to teach. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, on my, I have a second podcast, um, with, uh, my friend Kenyatta, we went to Tinker elementary together and then Jarman Mm -hmm. in Midwest city graduated together. And one of the things that we always say is you should always start every interaction with another human being with kindness and love. Yes. And you know, the guy at the convenience store, this is, it plays on what you were saying. You might encounter a guy at the convenience store who's just sort of being a jerk to you. But how do you know his mom didn't die that morning? Right, right. And so that's a slightly different because it's just sort of like a brief touch, you know, of somebody. You don't have time to get to know them. But sometimes people are being jerky because something bad's happened to them that day or within the last week or something like that. And that's so true. just, just, let it go and don't care <laughs> that they you know that rude. <laughs> I, I i have thought about that just as an example the girl who came up to eli at the at, at the supermarket and pointed and said you're weird what happened to you right. I, I got a little snarky and I, I i messed with her brain just a bit which is a strange thing to do with someone else's kid and, right. and the mom came up and she was partly apologetic but partly like well, if you're going to bring a kid like that in the public, you ought to be ready for kids just being kids to point and stare. And I, I was really trying to teach Eli that it's okay to stick up for himself. And it's right. so calculated. You know, what What am I specifically going to say to a seven-year-old that will achieve all these different goals at once? And you want to be kind to Eli and you want to be kind to the kid and it's just it's a failing proposition but you can't not try you can't not try to figure out how to be kind and how to to love everyone you just have to defend the people that you're responsible for defending and let the other people defend themselves so yeah yeah that's true and you know it's just like you're saying it's a fine line how do you how do you do that especially the younger the person, you know, in a 30 second interaction, how, how can you do that in a, in a way that is effective? Um, Now, if you're 70 years old and you walk up and you start saying something like that, you have severe problems. (laughs) Yeah. You should know better by then. (laughs) If you're walking through a hamburger joint and you don't have the good sense to not stare at a child, then (laughs) I, someone needs to help you. It's not going to be us. Yeah, I just, yeah. You're, you're I, a little I, I old to think, learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it it's a fine line. And even somebody that's been, you know, dealing with it as long as you have, it's still a topic that you're still trying to navigate and learn how to do, I guess, effectively. So <laughs> it's extraordinary that I, I haven't I haven't perfected it after being Eli's dad for 15 years. I think that's a philosophical question, though. Anybody who believes that they're such an expert in their field that they can stop learning is that's another person I just don't have any time for. You know, if, if you're a doctor, oh my gosh, listen, all the things I could tell you about doctors. Uh, you know, what makes a good doctor? What makes an effective doctor? I've got lots of opinions. 
We have been I, to a lot of offices and I, met a lot that just have quit learning. Yeah. I, I'm sure you guys have gone to probably thousands of doctor's appointments. <laughs> thousands. It, it, it may be close to, I mean, if you take those early years, just a, a hundred appointments a year for maybe the first three years and then it tapered off to the point. Eli's really healthy. That's important for everyone to know. Eli's really healthy in lots of important ways. Like if you draw a circle around his body um, and outside the circle is the head and limbs, that's where mm -hmm. all the malformations are. The, that's the dysplasia. And then within mm -hmm. that circle, he's got a core like an Olympic wrestler. Like he's got good nervous system, healthy heart, healthy blood. Uh, just it's, it's crazy how that mm. works out. So he is really healthy, but even so we still have the endocrinologist. We've got the pulmonologist, the radiologist, the phlebotomist, otolaryngologist. I could do this all day. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you could. Um, yeah. I, I, it would, it, I would imagine you guys have had quite the uh, grand total large medical bill. I'm, you know, insurance, all that co-pays and everything. I get that. Yeah. But still, when those when you get those bills, even though, you know, insurance is taking care of it, it can be sometimes a, a little overwhelming yeah. to see that. <laughs> we, we've I, I'll tell you this. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's been so healthy for so long, but there are things about his genetic syndrome that are very dangerous. And mm -hmm. I do encourage anyone who's listening this to go to RTS place. That's Rothman Thompson syndrome, rtsplace.org for the, the dark side of Rothman Thompson syndrome. Cause I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. you know, we're saving up as much of a nest egg as we can for the kind of medical bills that you hear about all the time. Like how did people live through this? They almost didn't. And we're anticipating that kind of thing coming up. So we're pretty frugal. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big part of it. Yeah, our uh, our medical bills for our daughter after her accident this year uh, is very, very large. Oh, and I can only imagine how thank, terrible. Thank goodness for insurance. Yeah. And, and sort of like uh, what you guys have experienced, you don't know you need it until you know you need it. Yeah. Eli's got a huge power wheelchair i mean it's it, it weighs 200 pounds and people love it especially the gearheads you know right. we'll take them to the chili bowl sprint dirt races and everybody just ooze and awes. look at this thing it's gorgeous and people who don't know they'll go like wow that's big what it costs like five thousand dollars maybe they'll go 10 and they'll go it costs forty two thousand dollars yeah yeah and yeah. having your vehicles equipped to handle that um, is also yeah. not cheap. Um, we had to get a special van. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I have, I have a cousin that's borderline quadriplegic and, mm -hmm. um, he's a farmer has yeah. all of his stuff with lifts and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, he has several sort of wheelchairs, but one of them is this big military looking thing that's on, uh, tank treads. <sighs> And I would love um, to see that. I, I'm sorry. I, you're telling this horrible <laughs> story about what has gone through. And the gearhead in me is like, Ooh, tank friends. <sighs> oh, he, he loves it. Cause you know, when you're out and about 
as a farmer and you got to go through dirt, you need something that'll move you around. Oh my gosh. You know, who would love that chair, Eli? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh gosh. If you ever see him again, take some video of it and send it to me because I've, I've got to see that a wheelchair on tank treads. Yeah. As what I'll, he has some uh, posted on Facebook. So oh, really? I'll, uh, I'll go and cool. find one and uh, uh, shoot it over to you so you can see oh, it. That would be so cool. That is so neat. See, there are lots of, these are the kinds of opportunities that I get to be such a big kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He, he needs help, physical help to play video games, to play toys, to set everything up, to, to get down on the ground, even at age 15. You know, to help him right. with his little camera, to to start his DVD player and watch cars with him from Pixar for the 14th time. I just, I feel so fortunate for myself. I feel lucky to get to have this much fun at this age. Yeah. You know. um, you've only seen cars 14 times. That seems a little low. It is real. It, it's it's <laughs> super low. I, I think he watches it once a week. Every day since 2006. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, that's how I knew my kids were getting older when I no longer knew or had seen the latest Disney or Pixar movies. Man, I was like, oh, wow, I haven't watched a Disney movie in a long time. (laughs) I haven't not watched a Disney movie. Someone asked me how I was liking, I don't know, whatever the most recent sci fi show is or, or Barry on HBO. It's like, how would I know? I'm watching Avatar start to finish again. It's right. about a kid who flies around. That's my life. That's my evening every night. So, <sighs> but you know, it's a great life. <laughs> no complaints. No complaints. I'll, I'll watch it when I'm 80. We'll catch up on it on <laughs> Downton Abbey or whatever. Well, maybe they'll make, maybe by the time you're 80, they will have made a good live action version of it, of Avatar. The odds are not good. I know, but I hope you're right. That would be fun. (laughs) They were talking about it. They were talking about making one. You got to be careful because if we start talking about TVs and and videos, I feel like my kids are both real experts in that. Sophia is going to go learn uh, computer animation. Oh man, mm-hmm. I've just got to tell you what a relief it is when your kid is is really debilitated physically to have another kid who's so helpful and kind and just kind of independent. And mm-hmm. that's been a real pressure for her, but she's she's withstood it with grace. And that's... just oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, and his uh, his daughter's quite the quite the artist. Oh, thank you. I'm very proud of her. Yes. That's something else we have in common. Oh, really? Yeah. My youngest daughter is also does painting and drawing and wonderful that type stuff. Maybe if some, if it, if it ever, if the universe aligns properly, maybe our daughters can hang out. (laughs) I would like that. You know, it takes a special parent to convince a child that they can commit their life to art. There's, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love my life. I love my, my parents, but they're very concerned about go get a job. <laughs> if you have time, you could be creative. And yeah. I, I was surprised that my wife was so, 
supportive. I think Eli's had a lot to do with that. All your assumptions about life implode. Change. And you just, you, you have to ask the hard questions. How can we be happy? How can yeah. we be content? So, yeah. Well, I, for one, um, I don't necessarily comment on stuff, but I, I do enjoy, you know, the, the Facebook's, uh, you know, little tidbits of your yeah. life that I get to see. And um, I know that with words, you know, when you're reading them, it is, it's hard sometimes to like get the correct intent of what mm-hmm. the person meant. Sometimes mm-hmm. something can say it and you pick up a lot of sarcasm, but the person didn't mean sarcasm when they were saying it. It's true. It's true. It, and so, but when you, when you post a lot of the stuff uh, with both of your kids, not just Eli, both of yeah. your kids, one thing that always sort of shines through is just how proud you are of your kids and how much you love them. So um, it, you have to decide, are people going to think I'm bragging if I tell them all about how wonderful my kids are? And I, I just really wanted to assure everybody in the early years that Eli was safe and that right. he was doing well. And then I thought, well, I'm going to need to get on there and tell them that Sophia is awesome too. And now I don't think about it much. Like they did something great. I'm going to tell everybody. And that's another thing that parents struggle with. And I sympathize, but that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> I just get on Facebook and say, Eli did something great. Sophia did something great. Yeah. One Sorry of if the, you don't like that. Here it comes. Yeah. One of the things that I've sort of, I'm really, I'm pretty good at it now is anytime I'm going to post a picture of the kids mm-hmm. or something like that. I always ask, Hey, are you okay? If I share this, you know, just cause maybe it's something they don't want to be have shared. I do know. Yeah. And if I think it's going to be embarrassing, then I won't, but sometimes they'll say something really clever and I'll look at them and go, you just made my Facebook wall. And yeah. I, I think that I've indoctrinated them enough to the concepts of self-promotion Right. <laughs> their reaction is usually, oh, cool. That's thanks, dad. Thanks for yeah. telling everyone I was clever. It's like, hey, yeah. no problem. It's no, good. I I totally get that. Um, one of the funniest, I this will always be one of the funniest moments in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got hired with the state, I worked from two o'clock in the afternoon until mm-hmm. uh, 11 o'clock at night. And okay. my daughter was in afternoon kindergarten. So we spent the mornings together hanging out. And one morning we were watching a movie and a guy goes, does a bear shit in the woods? And Emily <laughs> turned to me and she goes, polar bears don't. Ah, <laughs> I love that. And I was That's, like, see right there, the timing. That was key. I was like, this is why you're my favorite. <laughs> Very nice. We, we were at, at Disney World with Eli and you know he loves cars and they're yeah. they're thin on the ground at Disney World but we did find a collection of buses little transport buses the size of Hot Wheels cars and we were at dinner and he was playing with them and he looked up at me and he said dad look a bus stash <laughs> and he had put it on his upper lip yeah <laughs> it's like how are you not going to put that on Facebook how are you not going to tell the entire world that he invented the bus stash. He doesn't yeah, exactly. even know why that works phonetically. It's just so genius. It's yeah. Like, yeah. No, that that's, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I love that. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess, cause believe it or not, 
we have been uh, going at this for a little over an hour now. Okay. Um, I guess sort of to wrap it up, what advice do you have? Because uh, I would say at 15 years, you're probably yeah. pretty experienced at you know the yeah. challenges and issues and everything. What advice would you have for a young or somebody just starting out, you know, a parent of a child that has some sort of uh, special need? Doesn't matter what the need is, just some right. sort of special need. What advice can you give that person? So speaking to the parent, you are struggling to figure out the right way to do this. How do you start? How do you maintain? And the very first thing you need to do is change your perspective. Look at it from your kid's point of view. What did they deserve? And what they deserve is everything. Now, you can't give them everything, but that's the goal. So if you're not able to give that kid everything that they deserve, all the time and attention, all the financial resources and medical support, then you got to go get it and you can't do it alone. So demand, don't ask for help, demand help, not for you, but for a kid that deserves it. When you're talking to insurance, put your foot down. If you don't have the time to research how these things work, find someone who can help you. There's services at the state. Just, you know, find a good pediatrician. Tell them that you're in the weeds and see if they can point you in the right direction. And each step forward leads to the next step. And eventually you find that there is state compensation for for food, like uh, WIC, that there's compensation for travel and expenses for medical issues uh, that you can get out of paying the copay if you qualify for Medicare. And uh, when your family says, look, we, we're leading our lives and you're leading yours. I wish we could be there for you. That's another place where you demand. You say, I, I didn't ask anything from you and I know it's not fair, but it's not fair. Mm. And you've got to be here for us. And we expect you to be, and you're going to be. And if they still say no, find a different support network because they're out there. But don't do it alone. You know, don't even assume you have all the answers because you don't. But there's so many kind people out there. There's so many giving, kind people. They're, They're kind people in the government. There are kind people in your state therapeutic resources. Uh, just, you know, ask, ask them to be there for you. Go to the health department and say, what can you do? And, uh, and, and, you know, social media is such a great place to research these things. Ask questions yeah. on Google. Just fill your brains, you mm-hmm. guys. Write down yeah. the notes. Get the pamphlets. Just gather it all up. This is yeah. your new job. This is your new job. And you can do it, and you'll be great. And don't expect to know everything from the start because it you don't know what you need until you need it a lot of times. Don't expect to know everything early. 15 years in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely good advice. And the only thing I would add to that is if you do feel like it's whatever the challenge, the task, whatever is just too uh 
emotionally difficult or something like that, yeah. go talk to a therapist. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, don't be afraid of your anger. Don't, don't be afraid to find a pastor who is as kind as you need them to be. Cause a lot of the answers that you'll get are not satisfying. Right. I, I, I mean, you've grown up reading the Bible. You feel like, you know, everything. And you're wondering why it doesn't apply now. Like, why would God give you a kid that's dealing with all this? It'll take a lifetime to answer those questions. And some of them won't get answered, you know, but your, your relationship with God can withstand this. And it'll be a different relationship. That is absolutely right. true. But, you know, don't, don't be afraid to ask God those hard questions either. Ask him yeah. for help. Demand help. Demand that help. Just like I was saying. And he'll do it. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, David, I appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about this with me. And to be honest with you, we really probably need to get you as a guest on as many podcasts as possible because <laughs> um, you don't get uncomfortable talking about issues that sometimes, you know, they're pretty personal and could, yeah, someone wouldn't want to talk to or talk about. Uh, yeah. And you're very open, very honest, and it was great talking to you. But I think that, you know, you should be a guest on a lot of podcasts or various <laughs> stuff because you can help a lot of people. Well, just, just yeah, give them my that. phone numbers. I'll, I'll do what I did with you. I'll go see your podcast. I'll thoroughly enjoy everything that I have found. And then I'll write back and say, hey, that sounds fun. So it won't be all of them, but I'm glad that I said yes to you because you have been fantastic as well. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Really, my goal in life, I try to learn something new every day. I I enjoy listening to people's story and their journey because every everybody has a different experience. Twins have different experiences. That's right. And I find that in modern society, we're almost so celebrity focused that people tend to think that the celebrity's life experience is more important, mm-hmm. but it's not. Everybody's life experience is important. Yeah. And even if you feel like you didn't lead an exciting life or anything like that, you still had things that happened to you that are interesting and, and, and valid and other people That's can right. learn from it. And that's why I like talking to people about this because it's interesting to get people's story out there. And maybe, who knows, maybe 10 years from now, this will still be on the internet and someone will find this and this will be the exact thing they needed to hear. So I would love that. That would be really good. And I'll talk to anybody who wants to know. I mean, because it's not a lecture. It's, it's not an advice column. It's a conversation. Yeah. All you can do is what's right for you and for your kid. And all I can do is tell you what was right for us. Yep. And I'm, I'm at peace about the decisions we've made and the young man that my son's turning into. So yep. he's, looks like say. he's turning into a pretty great young dude. So um, I agree. You're not wrong. Yeah. I would tell you if you were, but you're not. Yeah. Well, and just so you know, if we ever, you know, run into person again, um, the extent for me is I will high five Eli, but that is it because I do not hug. 
<laughs> I will close with this story. When Eli was born, so he has four fingers on both hands. And he was telling my wife to give him five, like, give me a five. Uh, or, or maybe she was doing it, teaching him how to give five. And I said, it's strange that he can't get five. And my wife said, what do you mean? I said, well, it means five <laughs> fingers. And she said, oh, my gosh, David, I grew up thinking it meant give someone five pretend dollars. Oh. I swear <laughs> verbatim, that is what she said. I still laugh about it. She thought, you know, that's not what it means. That's not what it ever means. But in another way. That's what goes on in her head. Right, like, I'm right. going to give Eli five for $10. And I, I like that. I said, give me five. And he does the same thing. Yeah. Although I so, guess with him, it would be maybe a, a, a high nine. A high. No, it'd be a high eight. A high eight. Okay. It'd a be a high eight. eight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway. It, it's been great having you on. Um, I, I, I do appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your evening to Thank talk you. to me about this. And thanks for having me. I really had a good time talking. Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm going to wrap up the show as I always do. Uh, and just so everybody listening knows, I, I do know that I do not live up to this standard. But remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. This podcast is brought to you by Hyperfocused Media.